Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by South Sound Honda, serving the South Puget Sound region for more than five decades. South Sound Honda, located in Olympia, is your destination for fun. Hi there, this is Steve Stewart with Pacific Northwest Motorcycle Safety, and you're listening to the Soundwriter Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show. A candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Greetings, riders, to another edition of the Sound Rider Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher, and I'm here with Derek Roberts. We're here every month. That's right, and it's the October show, and it's uh, always great to be here, whether it's fall, summertime, any time of year. Always happy to be on the Sound Rider show. So, uh, yeah, like it's uh, October. So, yeah. um, Happy Halloween in you, advance here. Do you have any riding plans for October? You know, I'm really going to try to dedicate myself to milk everything there is uh, out of October here. And I think I might actually want to try to go down, first of all, and try to take a course with uh, some of the Dirt First guys and uh, maybe up my off-roading skills here in fall in preparation for, who knows, maybe a, maybe a wintertime adventure or even if uh, next springtime rolls around. Oh, maybe a cabin tour? Maybe. That'd be an excellent Ooh. suggestion, yeah. That'd be good for you. Yeah, Ooh. that cabin tour is something you could do right here, right out of Seattle and take two nights and go and... Stay at two different cabins yeah. and go back to work. Now, some of these cabins are actually pretty interesting, too. And I don't know if a lot of people know about this, particularly in the motorcycling world, but people who cross over and do the backpacking and that kind of thing. These are forest service cabins we're talking about. Oh, these are uh, – in Washington State, there's a lot of state park cabins. Right. And same thing in, in Oregon. There's a lot of state park cabins. I, I, yeah, these aren't, like, way out in the boonies. You, you can get there on your motorcycle. Right. So, But these, uh, to kind of give it a little more description, a lot of times in the past, I mean, they go anywhere from sort of rustic to less rustic, I would say, right? Sometimes you'll have, yeah. like, uh, a few kitchen amenities and that kind of thing. Yeah, you, you, like, you have no bathroom in most of them. Right. But there's some handicapped ones that do have a bathroom sure. in them, and you can rent them even if you're not handicapped. I don't think they check you. Right. <laughs> they don't make you uh, show any identification. But some of these in the past have been like Forest Service lookouts, some of the more gnarly ones that you can hike to, and then there are some that are just used for the, uh, the teams that work and repair the cabins and do search and rescue all throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah, there are there are some like that that are out in the Forest Service lands. Yeah. There's a lot of the lookouts. There's probably 20 that you can rent around the Pacific Northwest. But the most important thing I would think to mention here for motorcyclists is that a lot of these have heat, whether it's uh, exactly. right, wood-burning stoves. Or, or make or sure it does have heat. Make sure it does have heat, yeah. Because it, it means you don't have to carry a lot of gear when you go right. out. So you, don't, you, you can take a sleeping bag, but you don't have to take an air mat. Um, and you take your pillow with you, but they'll, you know, I know all the state park ones, they all have uh, mattresses in them. Sure. And then uh, some of them come complete with little mice that run around at yeah, night. Yeah, your friends. It's always fun. Your guides to the area. But that's great to know just because if there's heat, because <clears> you're going to roll in cold and most likely probably a little damp if you're riding here in October or November. So just keep that in mind, though. Yeah. And uh, much, in my opinion, much better than a lot of these budget motels. And I'm going to continue my tradition of the. Hydrotherapy tour, right? Going and to the I hot got pools, a few right? buddies that we're going to connect up uh, just in a day or so from now, and uh, we've got three hot pools all picked out. Nice. We've got our route picked out. We've got our places we're going to eat picked out, and uh, it's going to be a good good time. It sounds like a great time. What's your first stop on the hot pool tour coming up here? Uh, my first stop will be down in Troutdale. All right, and then we will go down into uh, the McKenzie Pass area of nice. Oregon. And then we'll wind up out in the Forest Grove area of Oregon. Sounds like a beautiful tour. How high is the McKenzie Pass? Do you know? I mean, are you going to see some chillier temperatures on these kind of overcast days like we have here today? Uh, didn't happen when I was up there last year. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah, could be a little cool. That's okay. I got, I got my, my Gordon's heated clothing. That's right. That, well, that's, I think, the emphasis here that we want to kind of talk about is that there's really no better time to ride than now. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Especially when you go to some of these tourist destinations, you know, whether they're these, uh, whether the Forest Service cabins or the hot pools, you know, when October starts knocking on the door, kids are back in school, people are a little more focused on work, and uh, that means the world is your oyster. I, I do uh, better at keeping myself, getting myself warm and staying warm. Yeah. 
then uh, you know, I mean, I'm good at at cooling down with a with a uh, cooling vest when I need to. Right. But if but I'm totally in control when temperatures down. Yeah. As opposed to up. Well, it's very important to make sure that you do maintain your temperature too, because once it does go. It can be. It can take some time to get your core back up to back up to speed. And speaking of no better time to ride than now, yeah. Uh, not only is fall just a great time to ride, but I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about you know, you think about how long the automobile's been around, mm-hmm. and, and how long the motorcycles have been around, right? And how much longer do you think they're gonna be around? That's a very interesting question. I mean, we always talk about sort of like the Jetson sort of thing with the hover cars and everything, yeah, right? Yeah. But as a recreational vehicle, it's a long time, right? I mean, people are going to be riding motorcycles and driving cars for, I mean, for another hundred years. I think so. You think so? Yeah. I mean, and, I, and even if they do, within a hundred years, don't you think they'll be like all electric by then? Or, probably, or yeah. Nuclear power. Well, or, I plan on living another hundred years, yeah. so I'm going to be the crotchety old guy in his V8 nuclear powered hover bike. Right. <laughs> I think Zero has that in development right now. They're working on that down in Southern California. Well, okay, so see that that was another reason why I thought there's no better time to ride than right now. Yeah. So we got we've got bikes on the market that work mm-hmm. and they don't fail that often. They're very reliable. Now there are some out there with a lot of computer gizmos in them, and those do fail. Sure. But um, take for example my NC seven hundred X. Not a whole lot of computer stuff on board. Dead simple. Uh, you know, the bike just basically takes care of itself, and you do some maintenance every eight thousand miles on right. it. And uh, and and if you think about motorcycles, fifteen twenty years ago, they sure. were not as reliable. And surely before that, they weren't very reliable. Definitely before that, yeah. <laughs> Although I'd say I don't know my ninety six, which is now twenty years old officially. Yeah, that's pretty reliable. Yeah, you know. I yeah, mean, but it's a Suzuki. That's know? true. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to say they had a reliable bike and say it was a Suzuki? Well, there's a few of us that are pretty proud of it, I think. But uh, okay, we'll and then another thing I was thinking was okay. So yeah, so let's say all this stuff turns into electric. Yeah. It's just not going to be the same. It won't. I you know I mean right now they don't have any compression ability within the electric bikes. Yep. And the way I prefer to ride is with a lot of compression when I want to slow down rather than braking. It's going to be an entirely different sport in that respect. But that that goes along with anything, though, right? I mean, as uh, generations change, I think part of the experience right now for a lot of riders is the maintenance, right? That you may have to repair a tire. You may have to adjust a valve while you're out there. And I think that's what we're seeing with a lot of new riders, maybe in their late teens, early 20s, where these are things that they don't want to think about. No. You know, they just want to go out and they want to ride. They don't need to change. They don't need to adjust valves anymore. Not no. on the newest bike. No, no, no. But I'm saying, but for riders, I mean, even me, I'm in my early 30s, part of the experience when you go adventure touring is making sure you do have the right tools because you are expecting to have to do something. I mean, you're going to have to do a chain adjust when you're out there. Right. You're going to have to do some chain maintenance when you're out there. And I just think that, uh, you know, as generations progress here, things are going to become more and more reliable, but that's going to be something that they have a zero interest in. They're going to want to buy something that's going to go for 100,000 miles guaranteed. No problems. Hmm. Hmm. You could be right. Yeah. Because they're all lazy. So welcome all back, those to, kids today, welcome back to the lazy. philosophical hour here on the Sound Drive <laughs> Show. <laughs> so uh, um, you rode to the rally. I didn't. Yeah. And uh, so you have a good ride down, a good ride back? I did. You know, I talked a little bit about the ride down there, but uh, the ride back up, I took the same route. Um, back around Mount St. Helens. You know, sometimes uh, we get a little spoiled living here in the Pacific Northwest, and you just you forget really just how draw, jaw-droppingly beautiful uh, things are around here. And going for through the National Forest, whether it's the Ginford Pinchot or even just across to Highway 12, and I mean really just some of the best scenery in the world. And, you know, it's something that uh, even if you don't go down to the rally, you should really try to get, you know, sort of that east side of uh, Mount Rainier at least a couple of times a year just to get on those first service roads. Highway 25, there's pavement, there's dirt. Just so gorgeous. Highway 25, did you read my article on how to ride Highway 25 before you went? Um, I don't think I read it this year. I think last year that I did. Oh, okay. Highway 25 is a bit uh, – It's a bit rocky, isn't it's it? It's a little tricky, yeah. <clears throat> what are some of your uh, uh, some of your challenges, do you think, on Highway 25? I wonder if we kind of are looking out for the same thing. Well, there. you can't ride it with a typical delayed apex style of riding. Right. There's no such thing as, del- as a delayed apex because the delayed apex appears down in the bottom of a frost heave. 
Yes, tons of frost heaves. Yeah. So for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that, some people who might be you know listening from outside of the area here, the drastic weather temperatures here in the Pacific Northwest really they're just hell on pavement. So particularly on like especially if they don't take care of the pavement, especially if they don't like a lot of these National Forest Service roads. So basically, the pavement expands and contracts, and you can come around the corner, and all of a sudden there can be. It's like you went down in an elevator. Yeah, it's like a two-foot drop, it seems like. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's you do everything you can to kind of get up on the pegs as fast as possible and straighten the bike out. But it can it can give you that feeling once in a while. Yeah. So you really got to ride to Vanishing Point. You really got to be looking ahead and recalculating sure. what you're going to do when you get in into that corner and how you're going to deal with it and kind of throw out all the things that you know are the right things to do and throw them out the window and – and and come up with a better plan. Right. Well, speed management goes into that a little bit too, right? Just to make sure that you do give yourself enough time. Yeah. Because you can you can sometimes lose yourself a little bit. You're the only car out there, especially on a weekday. And next thing you know, you come around this corner into a frost heave, not to mention the shadows yeah. uh, that are hanging out there. And um, a little pucker factor there every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. And I and I and, you know I I rode it this year at another point during the year, uh-huh. and uh, I went south. Southbound's always better than northbound on it because most of frost chiefs appear in a northbound lane. Okay. Um, but southbound, um, it's always kind of sucks you into going quick around those corners. Definitely. And then you get a really tight one. So you got to be there again. You got to keep your eyes up. You got to know what's going on. You got to slow down before you get to that corner and right. don't grab your throttle until you can see the, the way out. And in particular, be careful if you're on a sport bike down there where you don't have maybe the suspension, uh, suspension flexibility that you do on a, a dual sport or uh, like the uh, NC 700. Some sport bikes have some pretty nice suspension. That's true. But you pay yeah. two thousand dollars for it or right <laughs> so there's a cost for everything certainly but so, great time to get out and ride I yeah. mean, r- regardless fall november october get out there get on the motorcycle keep it going so in the october issue which is either up right now or it will be up sure i think it'll be up by the time the show broadcast um there's going to be a redo on our collections article and what we're going to tell you is all the places to see motorcycle collections in the Pacific Northwest. I was just taking a look at a sneak peek here before we went on air, and I can't believe, really, just considering the population of the Pacific Northwest, which is one of the least densely populated areas of the United States, there are literally dozens of great motorcycle yeah. museums here. Yeah, there are. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Well, and what I, what I found as I was redoing this um, is that a lot of some of these collections are are mostly privately owned, and right. people are just finding places to drop their inventory, yeah. and show it to the public. So, like, um, they used to have a really nice collection here, Renton Motorcycles, which was owned by the Lamphere family at the time, mm. and uh, all that went back down to the Portland area. So, what the family did was they dispersed the bikes between the car dealership they have in Beaverton, sure, and then their Beaverton Honda store, which isn't in Beaverton. Where is Beaverton Honda? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the little town next door, the Beaverton Oh, I got you. Store. Okay. Nearby, anyway. Yeah. But that's great just to, uh, I mean, it gives you another destination to ride to, right? If you're going to take your motorcycle exactly. out. Yeah. Split it up, exactly. lunch in between, and you've got yourself a pretty nice afternoon. And you went up to the Dealey Museum. Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't been there in about four years. How yeah. was it? Dealey Museum is great. Uh, part of uh, Dealey Harley-Davidson, and that's in uh, Vancouver, just outside of Vancouver, they do rotating exhibits, and uh, can have a piece up in the October issue on what they currently have, uh, their exhibit, uh, Motorcycles and Cinema. But, you know, I guess the total collection is more than 240 motorcycles. Yeah. And at any given time, they'll put on about 60 or 70 on display. Yeah, so. yeah. And really, you know, even just the dealership itself is kind of worth a, uh, worth a stop. The Dealey family, such a rich history in motorcycling with Harley-Davidson's in British Columbia just a, uh, just a cool I think they were the first Canadian Harley-Davidson dealer. Yeah, and they were the exclusive distributor for up until just a couple of years ago, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's, uh, there's quite a lineage there. And Vancouver, I mean, really, there's not many better cities than that. Yeah. It's a good place to go. It's a good city. Definitely. A little expensive, but it's a good city. It is. They say that about <laughs> Seattle more and more now, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. they do. And they say it more and more about Boise and Portland, the entire uh, Pacific Northwest. So secrets out. <laughs> 
So we won't go through too many details about where all these collections are. We just want yeah. to uh, sort of point you in the direction of soundwriter.com, and you can go and see the article and uh, start planning out a little bit of travel for winter. Yeah. Fall and winter travel. You may, you may do it on your motorcycle. You may do it in your car. Well, I would mention, too, kind of along that note, just for people who are – just kind of interested in transportation like myself i like airplanes i like cars i like motorcycles a lot of these are combined collections too so you can you can see a lot of cool yeah, stuff yeah exactly so. yeah that collection at wham is awesome did yep. you get into wham and see the collection still issue? haven't man i you might must. that might be my uh, one of my fall rides i might there have to go, go back down to the gorge and check that out if i see some some sunshine for a few days all right. Um, so it's uh, it's uh, we're light on uh, calendar items this month, and we're light on news bites. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back, and we're going to combine news bites and a calendar together for the next segment. Calendar bites on the Sound Rider Show. Back in a second. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. This is Dave Richardson from Moto International. You're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hi, I'm Jim from Seattle. My primary bike is a Triumph Explorer 1200. My favorite riding is in northern British Columbia. Back in the Crow's Nest studio on the Sound Rider Show on this October episode. <laughs> hey, those are the crows in case uh, you couldn't put two and two together there. But, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in the calendar segment uh, this month. So let's talk about you and your Tinder account. In my Tinder account? Oh, boy. Yeah. Are you using Tinder to find women who ride motorcycles? You know, t- Tinder, uh, I, I don't know if that's motorcycle-centric enough. Do you think that uh, you think you'd have any luck on there finding well, I guess it's kind of like based on your location, right? I think so, yeah. So then, like, maybe if you go to, like, the Oyster Run and right. there's 7,000 people and you turn on your Tinder app, Sure. You might be able to hook up with some Harley babe. Yeah, I mean, uh, Harley babe being a relative term, right? I think it's a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about, uh, you know, what you're compared to with the group that you're in. But and then you got the Bumble app too, don't you? Now, Bumble, that's, that's kind of a new one, right? Yeah, that's like the woman friendly one where the women are in charge on Bumble. Mm, okay, yeah. I don't. Uh, I only know all this stuff because my kid uses it. I don't know. It seems like there might be something else going on, Tom. Is there something you want to talk to us no, about here? No. no. No, nothing online. What do you think of uh, online dating, just in general? I uh, hadn't done it in years. It, yeah. wor- it worked out okay for a while once. Sure. Did you, <laughs> were you using that back on the Tandy, or what was? Uh, how long ago were you, were you doing that? Uh, that was like in 2000, and I think I was using the Match.com. Oh, yeah. It's They're been still around, around for a while. aren't they? Yeah, they definitely are. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, hey. I was finding motorcycle girls. Yeah. There's a, what's the percentage now? We were just talking about that off air, right? We're starting so, to see an increase uh, in riders. So our readership is 15% women now. Sure. So we're above, we're still above the national average, which yeah. runs between 12 and 14, they say. See, I think that would be the problem with a motorcycle dating app is that it would be, uh, what, 15 to, uh, to 85. That would be not a good ratio for the, uh, the young men out there. Well, yeah, because. Because, yeah, you, you know. <laughs> the ratios, it's just not good. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. We've got to work on that as industry as a whole. Yeah, but you, you'd never see all the other guys. I mean, you'd always, don't you just dial in and say, I'm, I'm looking for someone of the opposite sex? I would imagine like so, but I'd prefer a pool that'd be a little more 50-50. Oh. You know. Yeah, well, well in that case, you'll need to get into video games or something. Right. Like crochet or I don't know. Crochet, there you go. Crochet, you'd really have the numbers on your side at that point. Yeah, I don't know if the age numbers would be on my side. 
But in all seriousness, uh, aside from the Soundrider speed dating event that we've got coming up in a couple of weeks, what else is going on in the world of motorcycling? So, uh, of course, if you go to the calendar right now and you look at it, you're going to see all the usual suspects, like the uh, the, the bike night at Sub and the Georgetown bike night and the Moto Guzzi breakfast and all that Let's be clear. There's still a lot of stuff going on. There is a lot of stuff going on. It's just a lot of the... The, a lot of the same things, and we always try to highlight the sort of more unusual things in this yeah. segment. So we're going to combine it with news bites and our commentary on speed dating and make it into one So on one October segment. 9th, we've got the Cowbell Enduro going on. And that's up at, uh, where is it, Skagit Speedway or Bell? Uh, Hennigan. Hannigan Speedway. Yep, Hennigan Speedway. Okay. Right, and this has, you know, I'll just go ahead and make the Blue Oyster Cult joke here and get that out of the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, bring your Blue Oyster Cult, right. your headphones, and your cowbell, and just sit up there and watch the bikes go around in a circle and That's bang it. on that puppy. Knock, so knock, knock, if knock. you want more cowbell, October 9th, uh, the Hannigan <laughs> Speedway. But, you know, the Cowbell Enduro is uh, it's actually kind of a historical event. It's been going on. It may be one of the longest-running Enduros in Washington State. Really? Uh, somebody was doing some history on this one day and informed me of, of something to that. Well, re- fact, right. well, reinforcing our time that there's no better time to ride than now, right? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's, a, there's a place to go ride to and wash the Enduro or sure. throw your Enduro in the back of the truck and go ride it. Yeah. Now, what else do we got going on here in October? On the 29th, we've got uh, the 24 Hours of Starvation Ridge. I think it actually runs 28th and 29th. No, it runs Saturday, Sunday. It's 29th, 29th and 30th. 30th. Yeah. Yep, you got it. So that's going on out in Goldendale. And uh, that's typically a real mudslog. Uh, I would imagine so that time of year. Teams go out there and they ride for for a collective of twenty four hours. Um, but here's the thing: if if you don't have to do the ride, but if you want to get involved, you can get involved because they need uh, volunteers to be corner workers sure. and to help in the pits and stuff like that too. And especially uh, if it's if it's kind of muddy out there. Uh, they need more volunteers because you have to pick up the ones who fall down. Yes, definitely an extra pair of hands for that. And down there in Goldendale, which is that the home of the Glass Onion? Is that the uh, yeah. the restaurant down there? So yeah. if you're going to go down there from uh, Seattle, whatever it may be, at least have a good meal waiting for oh, you. Oh, yeah, you're not far from the Glass Onion at yeah. all when you go there. Which always comes highly recommended. Um, if you're not, if you want to know more about it... Um, you can sure call it up. What's the name of the uh, website? Yeah, so the website is uh, www.overthebarsgang.com. Okay. Yep. There'll be information about it there. And also, if you have Facebook or you have Twitter, you can put in the hashtag 24 Hours Starvation Ridge or whatever version you want to try and see what comes up from years past. Because there's all kinds of pictures on the Internet about this. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting course. It's all laid out now. They've got like a bunch of windmills out there. So Interesting. It's uh, it's it winds all in between the wind farm. Well, sounds like a fun time. Just in time for Halloween, right? Which would be right for around Halloween. that day. Yep. So Saturday the 29th, Cycle Barn up in uh, Smoky Point is going to have their annual uh, ride and costume contest. So if you're looking to get into the spirit of Halloween and you're an adult and you don't want to go knocking on people's doors in your neighborhood, right. you just go to Cycle Barn. Yeah, try to avoid that if you're an adult. Uh, that's always kind of a strange sight to see an adult knocking on uh, strangers' doors in costume. But what about you? Do you have a Halloween costume picked out for this event, Tom? Uh, yeah. What do you got? I'm going to be a motorcyclist. A motorcyclist. Good. Yep. So you're going to wear the yep. most appropriate gear. Uh, you're going to make sure that you go and represent out there. That's right. I'm going to have my full face helmet on, my yeah. tropical frog green jacket on. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. That's it. Well, you got a piece of candy coming from me for that anyway. <laughs> All right, let's do a couple news bites here. Let's do that, yeah. Uh, The first one comes from, uh, appears to be sort of a watchdog group called the Reason Foundation. And uh, for 22 years now, they have done an annual highway report. And they tell you who has the best roads and who has the worst roads. And uh, so, uh, number one is the best. Number 50 is the worst. Uh, and number one is South Carolina. For the not, best roads. For the best roads. Okay, they I can see that, I suppose. The best quality roads. Yeah. Uh, number 50 is Alaska for oh. having the worst roads. Again, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, coming in at number 16, Idaho. Okay, not good bad. Good number. Yeah. Good number. And they uh, take pretty good, pretty pretty good care of their pretty roads. Pretty good out there, yeah. Some of their striping's a little funny sometimes. They uh, They tend to stripe... 
over the old stripe uh, that they're off by an inch or two. And yeah, so, so you get the little the double stripe. Yeah. Also, just on that, you know, if you're seeing double stripes, just a reminder: don't drink and ride. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't, because because it's pretty evident that the guys who are doing the striping are drinking and striping. Right. So. And then in Idaho, you'll see four stripes, so it'll be even more confusing. So, yeah. <laughs> right, just gotta watch out for that. I got pictures like that. Right. <laughs> okay, number twenty-three. This one's a little surprising that they were halfway down the list. Oregon. Oregon, Oregon takes down. pretty good care of their roads, but um, this also takes into account things like rid- bridges that are failing. Mm. And there's awful lot of bridges in Oregon. Right. Washington. Oh, speaking of Washington. Where are we at? Number 43 out of 50 wow. states. So we got some serious disrepair going on, even now, even after that one bridge crashed into the river yeah. up in Skagit. That's crazy. 40, 43. Number 43. That doesn't seem like, for all the success that particularly Seattle has had in the last decade, it doesn't seem like Washington should be that low on the list. Yeah, I agree with you. But Where does the money go? I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Now uh, marijuana is legal. Is that going to the road? Are they taxing that and putting that in the road? Where's that extra cash? I think they're building, to? I think they're using it in the tarmac now. They're putting the marijuana into the tarmac. Oh, I got gotcha. you. People go out and smoke the road. People smoke the road, yeah. So you light up your back tire and you get a contact <laughs> bus. <laughs> okay, so if you want to read more about that, you find the Reason Foundation online and you look up their new, their their recent annual highway report. All right, good stuff. Uh, speaking of uh, government things, um, interesting, on the 21st of September, uh, Washington State Patrol put 10 motorcycles on a stretch of I-5 down right. in Tacoma. And the numbers are in, folks. They pulled over 205 people. Unbelievable. Not, not, probably yeah. most of them were driving cars. That was one day. In one day. In one day, 205 people. How many citations did they write off of that, I probably wonder? Probably 205. <laughs> <laughs> I Two, would. Probably more than 205 for yeah. uh, people being upset. So. And, that, and the State Patrol says that that's like one of the most dangerous areas of I-5. And I think that the section uh, just before South Center – Going down to Tacoma, like between Fife and South Center, yeah, that's like some of the craziest stuff goes on there. I can't believe it. I, I, I don't I don't know why the sting would wind up. I guess they have more accidents in the other corridor. So was that the emphasis though? Did they put the officers down there because of the accident rate, or was yeah. it just speed in general? They were no, no. They want to they want to knock down the accident rate that's mm. going on. And you know that's been a construction area down in there on that S curve right. the whole time. So uh, yeah, that may have something to do with it too. Well, not to get preachy here, but I think that if you just Instead of hiding one of your officers behind the bridge with a radar gun, if you just put them out in front, people would probably slow down. I thought if they put 10 out in front, people would slow yeah, down. Yeah, I don't know that you have to write the citations. Well, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a number for you. Right. Any citations are. All right. Well, hey. you can call and ask. I, I, think I'll, uh, <laughs> I think I'll avoid that. Uh, let me put you on hold. Now, I would say that was a success, 205 pullovers. So I would say that you sh- we should probably expect to see this again. Now, what they did do is they did a, do a, a pretty big press blitz ahead of time, so yeah. people knew this was going on. And uh, if it's going to happen again, I think we'll see it come up in the press again, and we'll we'll make sure we slip it into news. By yeah, try to let people know so we can uh, at least be prepared for it there. But uh, ten officers down there, all motorcycle cops. Do you have any idea on that? Or yeah, it was all, all motorcycles. motorcycles. Now I've never been able to quite confirm. I've heard rumors though that. Motorcycle cops are strictly traffic cops. They don't do anything else. Do you know if that's true or not? Uh, that sounds correct to me. It sounds correct, but I've, it's one of those things that's been I mean, out I there. I don't think I'd send a motorcycle cop directly to a robbery location where somebody might have a gun. And Yeah, well, I don't know. You get a big... have no protection. You get a big fender on one of these bikes. You get... Right. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> you could get the dresser out there. Yeah. Get them out there. But just one of those food for thought facts there. I wasn't sure if you knew or not. But uh, but speaking of, uh, you know, it's kind of some other things that are going on in the area here. We got, well, actually, we got quite a few things. What do you want to talk about? Kawasaki? That might be good. Talk about Kawasaki. Yeah. So Kawasaki partnered up with the American Motorcyclist Association to have them administer their Riders of Kawasaki Club. Right. I thought that was interesting. So that's the uh, that's the Rock Club, right? Rock. Right. Yeah. Riders of Kawasaki. Yeah. How do you feel about this in general? Well, I'm wondering if it seems kind of odd to me that a manufacturer is using a nonprofit club to administer their club. Mm-hmm. And I know that 
uh, Riders of Kawasaki has always kind of stumbled. Sure. Uh, they've tried to have rallies in the past. They, they've never been successful with them. Um, I guess they're just trying something different. I know um, uh, Honda has a Red Rider club, but I've never seen them use an outside third party, especially sure. like a, a, a you know, non-profit organization to administer their club. It seemed kind of odd to me. I don't know what the, what that holds for the future. I don't know if we'll see more of that. Well, I think if this goes well, this could be really a smashing success because the AMA does some really terrific things as far as education and advocacy – and if they can sort of agree on how to operate this, that might be a nice pairing to get the manufacturers involved with these nonprofit private side organizations. Yeah. And uh, maybe we can kind of link up with the training and the gear and get riders as a whole sort of to the next level as far as safety and skill level is concerned. And the, the problem with the, with the manufacturer clubs always has been why does somebody want to be a member of your club and pay to be a member of your club and then pay to be an AMA member too? Right. And there's not like a two for one deal in in uh, structure there. Sure. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Well, if you go to soundrider.com, you can sign up for free and be a member of our club for hey, no charge. There you go. Right? Um, who knows? Maybe AMA will call me and tell me they want us to put on the regional riders of Kawasaki rally. Yeah. I'd probably give that a shot. Yeah, regional riders. We got a lot of Kawasaki riders here. Be, you know, there there certainly be some money behind putting that on. Yeah. For me, it all, you know, it's all generates from out of my pocket here. It's right. not like I have some big giant sponsor behind me. So Well, and Kawasaki is one of the few Japanese OEMs that you can get within uh sort of arm's reach of Seattle here still. Right? I mean, in the Kawasaki up at uh Oh, no, I'm blanking on the... Uh, well, there's Japanese OEMs all over the Pacific Northwest. All over the Pacific mean? Northwest, but in Seattle, now that we lost the Suzuki dealership and we don't have Yamaha, oh, you can still yeah. get... Oh, yeah, so there's yeah. a Kawasaki shop out in Lake City. There you go. Yeah, yep. and there's there's one up in uh, Monroe. And, right. So, anyways. Well, give us a call, AMA or Kawasaki, and we'll see what we can do for you. All right. Uh, actually, there isn't one in Monroe anymore. That one went away. Times but are they're changing. around. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what's going on down in Portland? Okay, too, so down in Portland, yeah. um, if you are a fan of the Langlitz leather brand, sure. you know that they've gone through changes over the last decade. Uh, we've we've done some stuff with them. We've run an article, but there's a new article on them in Portland Monthly, and you could just pick it up online if you want to read it. So, well, we always like to mention those guys and support them too because that's been family owned now since what nineteen. 19- is it the 1940s or the 40s or the yeah, 50s? It's yeah. been a long time they've been down there cranking out moto gear. So congratulations to them. More uh, publicity for Langlands. And uh, thanks to everybody who shared our Facebook post for the Oyster Run. Right. Coming up here and just. Uh, no, it's already happened. Oh, it just passed it. <laughs> it shows how much You're I know still about, in the, September, about dude. the Oyster it's Run. October yeah, now. I know. October's here for sure. Well, hopefully a big success for them anyway. But it's always um, a lot of riders out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, our little maps are helpful for getting people around the traffic, and I, I just thought of it just prior to the event. I thought, you know, I'm going to put these up here and make sure that people have an alternative way to get out of the uh, ridiculous traffic jam that happens up on Highway 20. Yeah, it always does uh, get get clogged up there each and every year, but uh, that's why we're here, Sound Rider, to make your life, your motorcycling experience better. And speaking of sound, yes. Uh, so Bose has got some new in-ear headphones coming to replace the previous ones that were noise canceling and okay. squealed like the Dickens. Did you have personal experience with this? I did or? not. No, okay. Not. But that was kind of the mo on these, right? Yeah, and you know, I'm always hoping that some, that I could actually put something in my ears and listen to music again. I just, I it's it's just too loud, right? Um, the wind buffeting and stuff. I got to ride with earplugs, so sure. I don't know. Not, maybe not in my lifetime. But. Well, it's, it would be great, though. I mean, to have the noise canceling effect, and then the earphones so you could do the the uh, the music and uh, skip the earplugs, get that same effect. Yeah, um, I love listening to music while I'm riding. I well, I love great. the noise canceling headphones, but right. I've never never tried them on the bike yet. And I didn't. I didn't actually until I bumped into this headline. I didn't know they had done a noise canceling in ear headphones. Sure. But it was always on my wish list. Yeah. Well, that'd be kind of, that's so. a challenge, an engineering challenge for sure, because it doesn't give you a lot of space to work with. So uh, we've got another segment coming up here in a minute. We're going to be talking about new gear. That's right. There's still some stuff coming out here, even in the heart of uh, the fall time. So we're going to get right on that just on the other side of the break on the Sound Rider Show.
Support for the Soundwriters Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hi, this is Gary LaPlante from Moto Ventures, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hey, I'm Don Hutchins. I'm the editor of the Washington State BMW Riders newsletter, The Shaft. I live in Kingston. My favorite ride is the Tahoya Peninsula on my K1600 with my sweetie on the back. Riders, we are back with the Soundwriter Show, and uh, Derek has been hard at work opening up his Bumble account, <laughs> and so uh, that's well, what you know, we did during the break. Yeah, just all you single listeners out there, in case you're <laughs> looking to get a jump start. Single but, uh, female listeners, I should We had so that. many people that we interviewed last month down we at did. the Gorge. We were so fortunate thought, enough to have all those guys there at once. It was really great to talk to everybody. And I know that people like to find out about new gear, so we've got some new gear stuff to talk about. You want to lead off here? Yeah, sure. I've got a couple of things that I've been kind of keeping my eye on. And just we did this a couple of months ago, and uh, I just want to mention that I actually purchased some of that stuff. So uh, the Harrison leather jacket that I talked about, which oh, is yeah. Dionysi, I picked that up. Uh, very happy with it. Love the jacket. Oh, good. And uh, I did get a, um, a base layer armor set. I ended up buying some Dionysi stuff, but uh, I talked about a different brand during the last segment. But again, been very happy with it. So just a little, you know, we, we're not just full of hot air here. Is what I'm saying. It's like yeah. we're doing the research and we're we're investigating it. We're trying it out. And uh, for this uh, this segment, I've got some stuff that's a little bit related to some of those things, including the uh, the Revit Two H Two O rain suit. So part of my mission the last time we did this was to find some city-inspired stuff that I could wear in more technical arenas as well. So getting the armor but still kind of not looking like uh, I'm always in a motorcycling snowsuit. <laughs> and uh, I've been thinking a lot about getting just a rain suit, an oversuit, one piece, because I know that that's going to keep the rain out. And this Revit 2H2O, $129, bucks. you can get high-vis yellow or black. I think that it might be the next purchase for me. Huh. And it's one piece? It's one piece. That's right. So it's just an oversuit. Okay. And uh, just, you know, you throw it right on. So when it starts to sprinkle, you pull over into a rest stop, get it right on over. It's got some boot uh, straps on the end, so it goes underneath your boots. And uh, everything I've read review-wise so far is that it really keeps the water out. Well, make sure you check and see if it has a liner inside, like a mesh liner. Some rain suits do. Sure. So they don't, you know, get sweaty right on you. Yeah. And if it, if it does, just remember that when the crotch finally fails, and they always do in right. rain suits, you'll have to cut through the liner to, to seal up the crotch again. Okay. Yeah, that's just... So just that's, something to think about whenever you buy rain gear. Well, that's just part of getting older. The crotch always fails, right? Uh, next on my list... <laughs> I'm going to take one now. All right. What do you got? Uh, I was looking at some of the vendors that we had at the rally this year and some of the sponsors, and I bumped into the Icon Ride Icon Now website. Yeah. And uh, they had a couple of cool new lines of product. I got one called Deployed. Okay. Which is kind of a, a bit military-looking style, type style product. And then they have one for ladies called the... Shagwire. The Shagwire. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. That's actually my Bumble username I just signed up oh, with. Oh, man. Well, when I open up <laughs> my account, I'm gonna, you'll find me under Deployed. <laughs> under Deployed, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll just always name ourselves after, after yeah. product lines. But, you know, Icon does some great stuff. So what uh, what are these products all about? So, um, it's, it's, you know, it's really about style, but it, it's, they, they make really good quality product. Right. And uh, the thing about the ladies' product is it's, uh, it's stylish. You do, you do not look like you're in a guy's motorcycle suit. Okay. And uh, there's only like one pattern, I think, that they've got right now. Right. But uh, if it's successful, maybe we'll see some more come from them. Nice, yeah. So, so, you know, it'll be more interesting when you go to the rally to see these ladies walking around with these like – 
like leopard style sure. riding gear instead of black. Well, it's important to have uh, to have people getting into the appropriate gear. So whatever it takes to do that, you know, whether it's better fit or uh, different styles. I mean, I support that a hundred percent. I think it's great. And uh, Icon um, always making good stuff. Yeah, they do a lot of good stuff. Their gloves, their jacket, everything they do is good down there. So what's your next one? So the next one for me is a uh, is a new carbon helmet. It's by a company called Nex N E X X. It's called the Nex XT uh, Carbon. Uh, helmet and it's a modular which is something that i kind of had my eye on it's getting a modular helmet i always do full face i don't think i'd ride with anything other than full face Mm -hmm. but i'd really like to be able to flip up that chin piece at uh it's handy yeah just certain stops when you're talking to other riders or sometimes even just as you're starting to get going uh sort of outside of town on those hot days it's nice to have a little bit of extra airflow or when you get up to 40 miles an hour you can pull it down and be off and running yeah well you can also open your face shield too yeah but uh yeah it, you know, I, I have a modular, and it's nice. I like it. And yeah. I flip it up every time I get off the bike. It's just, I mean, it would be second nature, I would think, once you've had that for a while. And, yeah, uh, it actually does take a, a couple times doing it where you go, oh, shoot, I forgot to put the top down. Right. So yeah, That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. And you don't want anybody taking your picture at that moment because you look like a goof. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 549 bucks. Uh, so a little bit uh, towards the price of your end. Certainly not as most expensive as it could be, but uh, looks like a good helmet. I'd like to try it out. Carbon also, you know, just having a lighter helmet can sometimes, especially in those longer days, kind of reduce some of that fatigue, which is always a good thing. Lots going on in helmet technology. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely different from what you could buy even 10 years ago. Right. So what about you, Tom? What do you got next uh, on your list Next here? one I got is uh, the guys down in Bend, uh, Giant Loop. They, uh, they've had a lot of success with their Great Basin and their Coyote bags. Yeah. Um, and they were always kind of a, a pull zipper system to get into them. Sure. And if you were trying to cram a bunch of stuff in there, it was hard to shut the zipper. Well, they've, they've done away with the zipper now, and to access, it's all a, a, a roll-top dry bag yeah. style. Yeah, which I think is, I mean, that's just logical, right? That's what they use in all the whitewater rafting outfits and everything, yeah. so it just yeah. kind of makes sense. It is more, it'd be more waterproof because, you know, the old zipper systems, water could get up in there and it gets through the tough. zipper. So. Yeah. Definitely. Well, great looking bags. Giant Loop always does awesome stuff. So if you're going to do some, you know, some real touring, if you're going to take some couple of day trips, you got to make sure you have some waterproof storage. You're going to want it. Yep. Well, next up for me, uh, not so much in the waterproof arena, but in just kind of the warmth arena. You know, I've been doing a lot of shopping for uh, some down jackets, down pants. What I would kind of use as sort of a down base layer. And uh, the reason for that is, is you know, you go in and out of the mountains. Even in the summertime, to be honest with you, this down stuff, it packs up so small. It packs up so light. But when you're cold, this can really be a lifesaver. I mean, just it can make your whole trip the difference between comfort and discomfort like this. So one thing that I've kind of got my eye on right now is a uh, from Mountain Hardware. So this is obviously from Mountaineering. But they have a, a nice jacket called the Winter. And it's pretty expensive. Uh, or the Whisper, rather. W-H-I-S-P-E-R. But it's a full jacket, full sleeves and everything, and it only weighs seven ounces. I mean, this thing will pack up into something like the size of a baseball, and it just makes sense. You throw this in your pannier or in your backpack, and uh, just to kind of have always have this with you, I mean, it's just it's easy. It's a little expensive. There's a lot of cheaper down stuff out there that might weigh a little bit more. But uh, for me, I think this is another one of those things that's on the short list, especially as we roll into the heart of fall. I, I personally would go for a synthetic rather than a down, and I'll tell you, there's a couple of reasons why. Sure. Everybody knows, first of all, if down gets wet, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything, yep. Uh, secondly is it has to be fluffy in order for it to retain heat. Yes. It can't retain heat when it's compressed. The loft, yeah. Whereas some of the micro, some of the synthetic fabrics, they don't, they don't have to be fluffed up in order to retain heat. And what happens is when you put a, a heavy jacket on or, or you've got your riding pants on, you're compressing all that down. So, I don't know. Definitely. Well, Something to consider, when, especially if you're dropping like two or $400. Yeah, certainly. Well, part of the thing that I always look for, too, is sort of dual-purpose equipment, stuff that I can use, oh, I gotcha. you know, not just as uh, for motorcycling, but also for the backpacking that I do, and also just the travel in general. And you're right, there are a lot of advantages that Synthetic has, uh, including much better functionality once it's wet. Uh, but packability and really still, at the end of the day, overall warmth, you give the nod to down. It's just one of those things you have to treat it a little bit with so a little more care. In the October issue, we've got a marketplace section with uh, a write-up on 
the the new uh, first gear Kilimanjaro jacket. Nice. Yeah. And when they built the jacket, they didn't include a liner with it. Right. And you know why? Why is that? They want people to go pick out their, own, their own technical liner. liners. Yep. They don't want them to feel like they have to put that one in and then make it so it attaches inside and all that stuff. Sure. They want you to, to go out and pick out liners that work for you. So I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't have any problem with that. I like to sort of consolidate gear and uh, be able to customize and find things that fit well and work well for me. Yeah. Yeah. So... um as I was working on the marketplace piece, uh, and we had a lot of books come in recently, yeah, and so they're all written up in that in that piece that's available online right now. And uh, one of those books is called "How to Build a Motorcycle," and it's a kids' book, right? And it's uh, it's written for kids six and over, and uh, they they have the category sections where you would go and look for this book in the bookstore. And, of course, you know your six-year-old always grabs your hand and says, take me to the juvenile nonfiction section. Juvenile. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know that section existed. But uh, what I like about the book, it's it's a book about this uh, group of, I don't know, these rats or mice? I think they look like mice. Uh, Okay, they're mice. There's a bunch of mice, and they went out and they got a motorcycle, or they built their own motorcycle out of parts. Right. And then they they got it running, and they got one of them to uh, be the racer. And so it's all about the teamwork thing and the working together and, uh, and, and having a goal right. and all these things that you want to teach kids and are doing it with a motorcycle. But it really looks like – I mean it looks like an awesome book. Like it really has legitimate information in it. Yeah. And uh, even if you're an adult, you'd probably uh, – I mean it wouldn't take you too long to read it. But just to be able to flip through it, I think you'd probably, uh, probably enjoy it. Yeah, there's probably a couple of adults we know that need to read this book. <laughs> That's huh? right. But what I like about it is that um, you know basically the um, uh, the Generation X generation, right, or the Gen Xers kind of lost that generation. They got into yeah. the video games. They, yeah. they didn't want to go for the real deal and ride a motorcycle. And uh, if that keeps happening, we you know we're not going to have a market That's for it. a bike. So this is a way to introduce kids to motorcycling in a in a sane kind of way. Yeah. Uh, and they they talk about what gear to wear in the book and that sort of thing, and uh, and so I think it's it's good to have a book like this come onto the market that someone like me, grandpa, can right. get for my grandson. Well, and also a nice starting point too, like you say, you know, working with your grandson, you get him to flip through this book, he takes an interest, and next thing you know, you guys are wrenching on the bike together in a few years. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And of course, that's again, that's in the uh, juvenile nonfiction section, uh, right next to my humor. Yeah, and they also say they could, it might, you might find it under technology or how things work hyphen are made. Right. Those are that, that, the last one I know that's uh, always a regular section at the bookstore. Right. <laughs> well, it looks like a great book, though. Something definitely to check out. And uh, like you said, the more we can encourage people to kind of work with their hands and uh, get into motorcycling, the better for all of us, I think. Yeah. All right, so um, we've been running this column yeah. at Soundwriter mm-hmm. called Back in the Old Days. Right. And uh, I thought it would be fun for us to talk about it, so let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about Back in the Old Days. And I can't wait on the Soundwriter Show. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by the MotoFit Group, providing track days in both Oregon and Washington. The MotoFit Group helps riders experience the next level of their riding abilities and takes them to the zone where the bike and rider become one. Find out more or sign up for a track date today at themotofitgroup.com. Hey, this is room from Motocorsa. What's up? You're listening to The Sound Rider Show, the only show that I listen to when I want to talk about motorcycles. Hi, my name is Steve. I'm from Olympia, Washington. Uh, my favorite area to ride in is around uh, Kamei, Idaho, where the gravel roads are fantastic and the paved roads are even better. <laughs> to the Sound Rider Show this October episode, and we're going to take a little trip back, back to the olden days here, and now uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk about this too much, so i got to say, uh, along with the listeners, I'm pretty excited to hear what we have uh, coming up on the horizon in sort of that, uh, that segment 
for olden days sort of tales and tips. Tom, why don't you tell me a little bit about what's going on? So, you know, when we opened the show, one of the things we were talking about was there's no better time to ride than yeah, now. right. And when you start researching what it was like to be a motorcyclist 100 years ago, yeah. uh, you know that there's no better time yeah. in the history of motorcycling than now to ride a motorcycle. Yeah, pampered for sure. So let's just cover a couple of the topics. I actually have about 50 different topics wow. on this now, but we're only going to do like six. Um, riding gear. Mm-hmm. You know, today we've got all this nice high-vis gear and all the um, all the gear all the time right. stuff going on. We've got all the good armor in the gear. A lot of guys crash, they get up, they walk away, they get back on the bike, and Definitely. they ride off. So, uh, well, it wasn't like that 100 years ago. That's for sure. I mean, you want to talk about heated gear and waterproof gear and uh, just, I mean, forget about it. Completely different animal. So what were they wearing 100 years ago? They used to wear suits, I think, right? There, there were the, the, a lot of the guys yeah. who did like uh, articles for the bicycle magazines. Right, they wore they would carry a suit with them. Sure, if they didn't have their suit on, they'd have on their coveralls, right, or their canvas pants. Which, you know, when those things got wet, they oh, stayed wet. Yeah, forget if you tip your bike over trying to pick the bike up, let alone pick yourself up. Might have a long or a short sleeve t shirt on. Yeah. Maybe, maybe heavy jackets. Some of them have those yeah. oil-type jackets. I think I'm going to go with a suit for my Bumble picture. <laughs> I think that sounds more appropriate for me. So um, definitely different stuff out there. And Huge if you've changes. ever ridden wet, yeah. it is not comfortable. Back in those days, that's about the only way you could ride in the rain. Forget about it. I mean, and you're right. If you're wet, even when it's hot out. That chills you down in a hurry when you get that 50 or 60 mile an hour wind chill. So yeah, uh, we do. We do have it much, much better today. What else do you got on that list? Okay, um, transmissions. Yeah. Transmissions on motorcycles. So, you know, today we've got a five or six-speed box. Yep. Now we've got these ones that do the shifting for us, yeah. which, you know, I, I have uh, that type of transmission in my Honda Silverwing. Sure, and the scooter, definitely. I, I don't particularly like it because I can't get the kind of compression out of it that I like. A little more freewheeling, yep. But then they have the ones with the flipper deal, so you can, you know, manually shift the gears if you want to. Right. Uh, but, you know, what? 100 years ago, your bike had a single gear. And it had a slipper clutch in it. Yep. And you just revved it up and ran that clutch at whatever point if you weren't going full bore. Right. And uh, you had a lever Yep. that came up. You had to operate the lever. So you could only have like one hand on the handlebar. <laughs> well, that's even once they started to get into the early transmissions too. You had like the advance and retard. Like you were reaching all over the bike as you were you're going. I mean, you yeah. had everything going. You probably so. saw some of those when you were up at the Dealey Museum. Definitely. Some of the old Harley Davidsons and some of the superiors. Um, and watching actually a lot of uh, Jay Leno's Garage on YouTube when he takes you through some of the classic bikes. And oh, yeah. And you see him riding. It's a, uh, it's a full operation there. Most bikes' top speed back then was about 40 miles an hour. Right. Well, just horrible horsepower ratios. Yeah. And I think uh, considering the road conditions, that was probably uh, that was probably about as fast as you wanted to go. Yeah, and you know, you know, like in Seattle, you know what the what the speed limit was in town? Uh, I have no idea. Eight miles an hour. It still is, right? <laughs> yeah, by default That's now. The, the speed limit maximum, I think, is eight miles an hour. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like eight miles an hour. Yeah. And um, if you got pulled over for speeding on a motorcycle, look out. A hundred years ago, uh, some of the cops weren't very nice. You just basically got to pay your fine right there by getting beaten up by the cop. Right, yeah. That's, really? Yeah. Really. So, uh, That's a fist to cuffs justice there. You know, it's, it's definitely better today than it was. Yeah. Well, I had heard, too, that some, it was a little bit past that stage. But once motorcycles were capable of going about 100 miles an hour, which in reality wasn't too further down the track. I mean, I think in the 1920s and 30s, yeah. uh, you started to get some quicker bikes. But they'd have the speedometers where it would show you the fastest that you had gone oh, before really? you reset. And I guess the uh, the motorcycle cops... They would use that, and then they'd pull you over, and then they'd point at their speedometer, and they'd say, I had to go this fast to catch you. Here's your ticket. Oh. Yeah. But you could reset that, right? Well, no, they would do that on theirs. Well, they would do it on their bike. So they'd I say, I had to go 80 miles an hour to catch you, wow. so you must have been going too fast. I didn't so, know that one. Yeah. A little piece of trivia for you. All right. Then we got then we got brakes. Brakes yeah, today. Yeah. We got all the fancy braking technology. We actually have brakes. bike in six feet. Yeah. And we've got the ABS out there now. We've got the disc brakes. But you know, back in the old days, 
think about your trip up to Trev Dealey. Right. There typically was no brake on the front. Yep. And uh, drum brake on the back. So you didn't have much going on in the braking department. No, when you're talking about the mountains out here in the Pacific Northwest, it didn't take long for that drum brake to start smoking. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So exactly. it's uh, that's a whole different whole different. Then you have that game. clutch smoking and that drum brake smoking. <laughs> Man. And then you got your cigarette so you can't smell it, right? Because you're yeah, obviously you smoking, smoking while you're yeah. while you road. Gotta do that, so. so much better these days. And speaking of the cigarettes, um air quality. Mm. You know, back back um prior to the industrial revolution. Wasn't so bad, but then by the time you got up into the 30s and the 40s, right. you had factories that were just blowing chunks of smoke out, churning them out. And uh, places like Southern California was not a, a pleasant place to go tour. Definitely, it was just loaded with smog, and and you know, still obviously, if you took a tour through China today, yeah, you'd bump into that now. Yeah, that's part of the uh, industrial progression there for sure. I think their motorcycles have two brakes though. Today, yeah. <laughs> But only one of them works. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, here's a tough one. Um, after hours beverages. So we're talking about adult beverages. Adult beverages. Uh-huh. So when I go and ride my motorcycle, at the end of the day, I want to park it and have some wine yeah. or maybe a martini or something. It's 100 years ago. There was quite a few places you could not get a drink. Um, alcohol was banned in places like the Russian Empire. Wow. Iceland, Norway, hmm. Hungary, Finland, and even parts of Canada. Wow. And then we had our little prohibition period, Of too. course, yeah. Um, now, one of the reasons that they, they had it banned is because people, when they, when they were heavy drinkers, they were like super heavy drinkers. Oh, definitely. And there was a lot of mean drunks. And they would beat up family members. Oh. Friends, <laughs> whoever a, yeah. could. It was a much more brutal time. And that's why a lot of that, um, you know, when they stopped the alcohol, uh, that's, that's, why, that's why they put they, they had to get things under control. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I, I've heard story, and I, this is this is completely uh, completely true. The stories that I've heard, but I've had like uh, you know grandparents and great uncles tell me that when their grandfather would go to town and he'd have too much to drink. Uh, he'd just get back in the wagon, and the horse would know how to take him home. Oh! So, <laughs> wow. Uh, and even today, I mean, I think in India, there's yeah. no alcohol allowed. And a lot of places, yeah. And, and in fact, if you go to Wikipedia, there's a list of who allows alcohol now and who doesn't. So yeah. if you're planning on doing some touring around the world, if you want to sure. go ride your motorcycle in Saudi Arabia, you're going to find out you can't drink there. Right. So. Well, and actually, you know, here uh, in the United States still, a lot of uh, – counties on sunday are dry counties yeah and there's a lot of dry indian reservations yep. so so avoid those counties and those reservations and you can drink all you want while you're in your ditch motorcycle that reservation right. tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots okay. of changes though i mean this is that's incredible the difference and it's not really that long that a, it's not really that many years when you kind of think of it globally like oh, yeah, 100 years is yeah, nothing it's nothing but it's amazing so it uh, 100 years ago yeah you're out riding your motorcycle people crashed like there's accounts of people who basically crash d- daily. Sure, and so, you know a lot of most times it wasn't a big deal. They just got back on the bike and they yeah. were men of steel. Well, you go eight miles an hour, away. Yeah. and and then there was uh, you know the really bad situations where if you uh, broke an arm or something, right? There's nobody coming out there with a life flight to pick you up. Oh no way! There's nobody that's gonna um, uh, even know you're out there. Yeah. You don't have no 911, you don't have a smartphone, nothing. So you had to ride into town if That's you could, it. or else you had to hope somebody would come along and pick you up, put you in their wagon or their cart or yeah. whatever, and take you into town. You know anybody who's ever had broke their arm and had to ride their motorcycle into town? You know, I think I know a guy <laughs> who did that. No, I, I to hear the second hand from him, but he doesn't recommend it, I hear. Didn't you have, weren't the weren't the uh, the farmers that, that came by yeah. when you did it? Weren't they willing to take you in? Well, they were. They had to finish their day's work. So oh. if I couldn't have got my motorcycle restarted, I was going to be out there in the desert. I mean, the, somebody else may have came along, but it could have been another four or five hours before they came back through. Huh. So, so uh, yeah. So I started up that column back in June. Yeah. And then we sort of took it off. Uh, took a, a couple months off on it. 
But um, when I went down to L.A. a couple of weeks ago, I, while I was in the airplane, uh, I wrote up about 40 more segments. Nice. So yeah, that's it's, really uh, – It's going to be – you'll be able to see this stuff for yeah. several months to come. That's one of my uh, – I really like – it's sort of – it's kind of like nice Sunday reading. Like just very mm-hmm. enjoyable, you know. I mean you just kind of get to think about motorcycling, and uh, I really enjoy that. So I'm looking forward to the next 40 or so that you get coming out at us. All right. Okay, we're going to uh, take a little break. When we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Rich's Custom Seats. Do long days on the road take their toll on your body? That's because stock seats and generic aftermarket seats don't fit anybody. Have your motorcycle seat custom fit to your body. Improve your ergonomic positioning and enjoy long days in the saddle with a Rich's Custom Seat. Just a ferry ride from Seattle. Experience a Rich's Custom Seat today. This is Patrick Henry from Hinshaw's Motorcycle Store. You're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hi, my name is George. I'm from East Wenatchee, Washington. One of my favorite rides is in southeast Oregon, up onto the Steens Mountains and back down. Right, we're back on the Soundwriter Show, and uh, Deployed on Bumble has uh, <laughs> 10 hits already. Wow, look at you. And then uh, Shagwire, Shagwire has only two. Yeah, two. Two hits, but two confirmed. So, oh, yeah. You know, closing ratio, baby. That's where I specialize. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, got some tips and tricks here. And uh, mine today, I'm going to talk about face shields yeah. because it's fall and those face shields fog up inside. Um, you know, and I see people hang on to their face shield as long as they can without changing it. You got to change it. Yeah. It's really bad to ride a motorcycle around with an obscured face shield. That's. You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, too, people just – they wear their face shields out prematurely just not cleaning them right. That's right. You and uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that will tear up a face shield is, is uh, paper cloths. Yeah. Like those, you know, you pull into the gas station, you get one of those little blue pieces of paper, and you, you wash Super it. Super abrasive. Oh, man. Yeah. Just tears the laminates off. Ah, the they'll outside. take the paint off a of Buick. I mean, <laughs> thing, it's like if enough time, it's pretty much sandpaper. So it's definitely not designed for uh, wiping, uh, you know, plexiglass. That's for sure. No. No, now we do sell a nice cloth in the Soundwriter stores called the Heininger cloth, yep. and it's got like four thousand tips per thread. Yeah, and a super super nice it's a microfiber, microfiber cloth. Yeah, uh, when you get a nice cloth like that, everybody should have a couple around the house. You never put them in the dryer because the dryers will cause the tips to fray and right. melt. I mean, they're frayed; they're already frayed, but yeah. it'll cause them to melt and get little. Balls on the end of them, and then you start scratching up your face shield. Yeah, it starts to pill up a little bit, just like your clothes will do in the dryer after a certain amount of time. So, yeah. um, You know, I would mention too, that was one of the first things when I started the Sound Rider. You gave me one of those microfiber cloths and a little bit of the spray. Oh, yeah. And uh, it lasts forever. If you take care of it, like I've had it for two years and I still use it. I got the refill here if you need it. Yeah. I I mean, I'm halfway through the bottle and, you know, I clean that uh, face shield all the time with it. So, it lasts for a long time. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's a great tip, and uh, fog too is just fog. Yeah, yeah, you know how do you keep the fog out? Right. I, I've just found that none of that stuff, the cat crap and all that other stuff, it just doesn't work. No. And what you got to do is you get up to uh, um, stoplight. That's when you're going to fog up. Yep. You got to open that face shield up. Yep. And then you can close it down later on. Absolutely. Have it. Have it. Uh, you could put a little something into the tape on like a penny or something hmm. so that your face shield stay cracked open when you're riding but oh, not be totally open sure because you know it's cold and stuff you don't want all that but you want to keep that air moving around the interior yep 
So that's a that's another little trick you can do. Or just even put some tape on so it doesn't totally close shut tight. Just a little bit of airflow goes a, goes a long way when you're talking about the fog there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But as soon as you're not moving, it's going to fog up. So yeah. you might as well open it up when you're at a stoplight or whatever. Yep. I agree with you 100% on that. So my tip is uh, a little bit – well, so my tip is to look at extended range gas tanks. And uh, that's for a lot of reasons, right? For you dual sport and adventure touring guys, you know, that can be sort of second nature. But particularly, too, when we start to get into fall, you know, sometimes riding a motorcycle can be so much work just to get the gear on and off and to get situated and that kind of thing. If you get on the bike and you're comfortable and you're staying warm and the weather's good, you know, for me, anything I can do to prevent all those additional stops is really a great thing for me. Now, certainly if you're uncomfortable, if you're tired, or whatever it may be, or if you need the break, you should you should definitely stop. But sometimes you just get a nice groove, the sun's shining, you're comfortable, and you want to just kind of ride as long as you can. And it's really nice to have that extra range on there. So I've got what's the range on your DR three fifty? So, so stock range would be right around a hundred, uh, about a hundred and ten. Okay. And right now I've got the extended range, and it's about two twenty. Oh, you got you got an extended oh, yeah, range. Definitely, tank. I got four gallons on there. Oh, yeah, and uh, I believe me, it takes a lot to, to get through that because yeah. when you ride on that thing, it's, I mean, it's it's a glorified dirt. It's a dirt bike with turn signals, right? You is wear that out. is that one of those clear tanks where it, you see the fuel inside? You can see if the light's right. Yeah, it's not super clear. Oh, okay. But it's it's a Clark uh, four gallon there. So huh. if you ride it, um, you know, at lower speeds for. Uh, the speeds that's intended, 45 or so, you can get a little over 220 miles. Um, but if you're out there playing around and getting on and off the gas or pushing yeah, it on the freeway. Yeah, even I just noticed that once I get my bike up over 60 miles an yeah. hour, you know, because I could do the 70, 75 on the highway. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and now that's when the fuel economy Starts to really suck it down, yeah. down so. And I don't have a windshield on mine either, so I'm just, you know, I'm like a, a windsock. Yeah. Sometimes you're better without a windshield. Yeah. Because so many of the aftermarket windshields aren't aerodynamically yeah, friendly. they're just put up there. For, and they'll actually cut your fuel consumption down. Yeah, they're just bug catchers. Yeah. You see that for sure. So, all right. Yeah, good tips, definitely. Good stuff well, hey, to consider. Uh, it sounds like we've done an October show. I think this is it, yeah. We're going to be back here in November. We've got some uh, interview ideas going on in our head. I think we've got a fun one coming up in November. Yep. But uh, in the meantime... Uh, if you're not a subscriber to Soundwriter, you can do so at soundwriter.com. You get the newsletter every month when it comes out. It doesn't yep. cost you anything. We don't sell your email address to anybody. And uh, we want you to ride safe. We want you to ride often. And don't ride like my mother. And don't ride like my mother either. We will see you in November. The Soundwriter Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of mixed media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.